So my name's Justin. Join me in prayer. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful day that we've got. Thank you for each heart that's here today, Lord. We know that you've brought us here um, all in different places, and you know exactly where we're at, Lord. Thank you for your perfect word that we're going to get to hear today, Lord. You speak into all areas of our life, and um, today we're going to be hearing about physical health, so we just thank you for this message, and we know that your hand's on Dion as she delivers it. Um, Just thank you for this church, Lord, the many blessings that we all have. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right, we're going to get kicked off with a video. Enjoy. This year, I mean it. I mean it, mean it. I could not possibly mean it anymore. I got this. Candy bars, gone. Funyuns, gone. Ice cream, candy bars and Funyuns are gone. This year, I'm going to connect with people IRL. In real life. Made a list. That means I mean it. I'm going to take care of myself. Right after I figure out who that is, other than a mom, which I love. I beat myself up. I'm never good enough. That has to change. Why do I do that? I'm such an idiot. See? This year I'm gonna work on being the cool dad, you know? Maybe go to skate park, hang out with my kids. No biggie. <laughs> this works, right? I gotta learn to forgive myself. You know, give myself a break. Not be perfect. I've got it. I'm gonna step outside of my comfort zone by volunteering at the hospital. Maybe the pet shelter. Cause cats, they're so much easier. This year, I'm gonna forgive my mom. Now that I am a mom, I I totally get it. This year I'm gonna start reading literature, you know books and such, because I hear it's good for me. This year, I'm shaving my back hair. I am tired of those kids at the neighborhood pool calling me Sasquatch. It's just that I am comfortable staying in my comfort zone. Who am I kidding? God, I wear myself out trying to outdo everyone. I, I can one-up everything, and it's exhausting. I have a lot of baggage. And it is not all from the mall. Well, some of it is. I'm trying, God, I am. But there's a reason why I'd rather stay at home. I'm weak, God. I know it. You know it. And you know what, God? This year, I'm giving you all the places that hurt. I'm gonna give you all of my failed attempts that I think are gonna make me a better man. You are a strong fortress, God. You. And I'm gonna let you be strong in my weakness. All right, God. I'm gonna start with the best relationship. You and me. And then, we'll move outward from there. Because this year, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. And I mean it too. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Welcome um, to Crossroads. My name is Dion. Um, Thanks for joining us today. We're just really glad that you guys are are here with us. Um, We are approaching today a subject that we don't often hear about inside of churches. 
Um, but, you know, here we are. We're still in January. We're only a couple weeks away from celebrating, you know, the new year rolling around. And the series that we're currently in called Imagine really kind of focuses on a lot of the different areas in our lives where we do have a tendency to make New Year's resolutions. And so here, as we stand in our fourth week, um, looking at this, for those of us who have made New Year's resolutions so far this year, how are we doing? You do not have to answer. <laughs> if you've made a resolution for diet and exercise and physical changes, how is that going? You know, because for a lot of us, we start out a lot like these folks in our video. They really mean it. We do really mean it, but we have such a challenging time sometimes accomplishing the goals that we have for our lives, right? And I know I do. And so um, I think it's, it's, we're going to have a good, I'm hoping we have fun today on, on what we're going to get to learn about God's view of our physical health. We're going to be talking about physical health. I know this is not something that, that we hear a lot of inside of church, but we're going to be focusing on how God sees our bodies and how God wants us to use our bodies and, and really what this all means for each one of us. Because to be honest, I think we might think that this is not something that we do need to think about. Um, I'm just going to come right out and say it. Justin made a football, um, a football reference. Um, we're a little light today. Good morning to our folks on, um, who are joining us online. We're a little light today. Um, the playoffs are going. Um, so I just want to say that if, if you know, we stayed home to watch football, instead you get double calories for everything you eat today. So <laughs> we get none. No, just kidding. So we're going to take a look at this. Now, I did a little bit of research in just resolutions, just the resolutions part, um, and discovered in an app or on a website called discoverhappyhabits.com that um, personal health is important to most people. Um, diet and exercise still remain the most popular New Year's resolution. Um, and along about the halfway mark, about six-month period of time, about half of the people are still going fairly strong, which I think is a great statistic. You know, if half of the people are still trying to work towards accomplishing their goals, I think that's wonderful. They also broke it down by generation, which I also thought was somewhat interesting. Um, our baby boomers, they are the ones who are more focused on wanting to lose weight, about 53% of them. Um, but they also place less importance on saving money compared to our younger generations. Now, our millennial generation, they seem to be the ones that are most confident that they are going to accomplish all of their goals. So I want to be them. <laughs> um, and then our even younger generation, our Gen Z, they are more concerned with finding love than any other group. And so we kind of begin to see just in our age groups really what becomes priority for people. Um, it's also interesting to note that since the onset of COVID, the percentage of people who are actually making New Year's resolutions has dropped and, and to me, I can kind of understand that because I, I kind of feel like we're all in a place where we're, like, we're just kind of done with drama. We, we can't really trust things. And I, and I think when we mentioned this for the last couple of weeks, that as we look around and as we talk to people, one of the things that we're noticing is that people are beginning to lose hope in pretty much every area of their lives. And this is really one of the reasons why we felt it was so important to have this series where we are focusing 
on um, every aspect of our health. And so in, in, in our series, um, Imagine, the last couple of weeks we went over mental health and emotional control. Today we're going to be talking about physical health, and then we're also going to be focusing on financial peace and our spiritual lives and our, and our relationships and, and how to have real, lasting, healthy, thriving relationships. And our, our um, main verse for this entire series comes out of the book of Thessalonians. And it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and your soul and your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think when we look at this, what we're finding is that God himself laid out a holistic plan for us. And that his plan and his purpose includes our soul and our spirit and our mind and even our bodies. And when we think about the word sanctify, it's talking about setting apart and to be purified and to be used for religious purposes. And so the plan that we're going to be looking at today as we talk about physical health is the plan that God has for us. And it's a plan that is on a, a plan that has hope. It's focused on facts and not wishes. And we're going to be looking through some scripture to find out what God really does have to say about all of this. And so as we've gone over the last two weeks, we have focused on our mental and emotional control and our health. And so the, the facts there is just knowing that when we follow Jesus, when we choose to have a relationship with God, when we choose him and we are walking with him, that we do, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability and the tools to be able to have mental and emotional control, to be able to develop our understanding of the world and overcome our challenges based on the truth of Scripture. The, the Bible tells us that the weapons that we have, the tools that we have to be able to combat the philosophies of the world and secular, secular um, worldview and, and man's ways of thinking about how we can overcome these things are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to break down the, the strongholds, the incorrect philosophies. If you, if you weren't able to join us over the last couple of weeks and you would like to watch those messages, they're available um, on our YouTube channel. You can check them out on Facebook and you can get through that, um, to that through our app or our, our website. And I would really encourage that because they were really great places to start. And so now today, as I've said, we're going to be focusing on physical health. And um, we're going to uh, start by looking honestly at some of the challenges there. See, God is really very interested in how we handle our bodies, what we put into them, what we do with them. And, and personally, I believe that our physical health is just as much a part of our walk with God as prayer and Bible reading and everything else that we do. But there is a very real spiritual battle that goes on around us in this situation. It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. So part of, part of this is understanding. We're going to work on kind of changing or tweaking our perspective a little bit, and we're going to be looking at our motive when it comes to how and why we take care of ourselves. And so the spiritual battle that we talk about is this, this war between the flesh and the, and the spirit, you know, the, the flesh that craves certain things in life, whatever that may be, and the spirit that, that wants to do the right thing, but these two are always battling one another. They're forces that are opposing one another. And I just, let me just start off by saying, I am not going to stand in judgment in any way, shape, or form during our time. What I'm going to share with you is what God has shared with me. 
And so the Holy Spirit is convicting me right now to offer full disclosure. Last night, my family took me out to a birthday dinner. They held me down and forced me to eat cake. <laughs> Two pieces. <laughs> so just so that they did. <laughs> my honey did a fantastic job of making it from scratch with his little hands, his manly hands, excuse me, manly hands. And so, yes, full disclosure, I am on the same playing field with everybody here. But we do have this battle. And inside of this battle, when we take a look at this, we also have to understand as we start thinking about this, is thinking about what our motive is. When it comes to how we treat our bodies, when it comes to how we see this, is what our motive is with our physical health. Do we just simply want to be healthy and preserve longevity? Do we want to lose weight? Do we want to get you know, fit? How is this looking? Or are our expectations a little unrealistic? Are we trying to look like people on TV? Are we trying to achieve the perfect body? Are we trying to do things that maybe we just really shouldn't or aren't capable of doing? Or on the flip side of it, do we even care? Have we even thought about it at all? Because we're all kind of in a different place here. But this struggle for, for most of us, the struggle for me is that, you know what, I don't know about you guys, I love to eat. I love food. I am Italian. That's what we do. You put Italian and church people together and it's a food fest. So, it, but it is, it's wonderful. It's a gift from the Lord. But the problem is, is what a lot of us don't realize is that food in and of itself, certain foods, well, matter of fact, all foods, they have actually have physical and mental um, responses, true, legitimate, physiological responses inside of our bodies. And, and so what can happen is that certain things we eat, if we eat a lot of sugar, a lot of refined carbohydrates, um, pastas and potatoes and chips and things like this, it can actually impact the release of hormones in our body, our feel-good hormones, serotonin and dopamine. And so this is often the reason why, you know, when, we're, when we do this consistently, our body becomes accustomed to it, which is why when we're sad, when we're depressed, when we're upset, when we're tired, we reach for those sweet snacks and the goody things because we're trying to, we're trying to pump ourselves up. But the fact is, is everybody's different, okay? Everyone is different. Our bodies are made differently. Our genetic makeup is different. What we were taught or not taught as children, um, our heritage, because there are certain nationalities that are predisposed, genetically predisposed to certain things like high blood pressure and diabetes and all of these things play a part. And so when we combine this with the understanding of the roller coaster ride of diet and exercise and the feelings of discouragement and failure and, and how we just can't seem to stick with our plan, our, our New Year's resolution, no matter how much we mean it this year. And then often cases, in not a lot of cases, we've even watched loved ones lose the battle of health in, in their lives and end up with severe medical and health issues. And so... As we look at this, um, one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys is just kind of what God has taught me and, and where I am on this one. Um, years ago, um, well, probably more than, more than 20 years ago, God, God revealed to me a very good reason why I needed to seriously start taking a look at how I was choosing to take care of my body. Um, because I struggle with this. Like I said, I love to eat and, and I get... I get in, bogged down in the same issues everyone else does. But um, what happened was, I know most of you guys know my daughter, Caitlin, and Caitlin has disabilities. And it became very obvious 
so many years ago that she was going to need for us to care for her for the rest of her life. She was always going to live with us. She was always going to need us to be there for her. And it became apparent, what God showed us is that it became apparent that I was going to have to take care of myself in order to take care of her. And so she is a large part of the reason why my husband and I do our best to try to be healthy. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we held him down to make him eat cake last night too and, <laughs> and the rest of the family. But, but she was a huge motive for us. Now, I know a lot of us have that kind of a motive in our lives. We've got a, a family member that we want to care for and, and what have you. But for Christians, there's another motive here. And the reason is a, a spiritual motive. And so as we're talking about this, what may seem like a very odd conversation to have in church is to understand, biblically speaking, why this is important to us. And really the first reason is because God himself created our bodies. He's the one who designed us how we are. He gives our bodies a purpose. And so there's a whole new reality here for Christians, this understanding that God formed us. God formed our inward parts. He knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. This miracle of how we were designed is just incredible. And that brings a certain purpose to us. In a world that teaches us, or right now probably we feel hopeless and have no purpose, we need to understand this, that our physical presence in this time on this planet means something. But we have to start with a foundation. And so to kind of help us lay this plan, because or lay this, this foundation of God's plan for us so we can understand our purpose, we're going we're gonna to take a step back for a minute. We're going to go back to school for a little bit, so I apologize for that. But we're going to take a science lesson from um, a gentleman by the name of Lee Strobel. Many of you may be familiar with who he is. He wrote the book Case for a Creator. He also wrote Case for Christ and Case for Christmas, and he, he's amazing. We've got a lot of his books, or probably all of his books, back in the library and the DVD where this, these clips come from. But we're starting here because Lee was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune. Um, his journey in this began through the study of science. Um, he was uh, a kid with natural curiosity of how the world worked, and, and through science he actually became an atheist. But his wife became a Christian, and when she did, he began to start, he began to start researching Christianity. He wanted to see what was going on with her. And so as he researched Christianity, and because of his love of science and research, God led him to the truth in the process of figuring this all out. And so we're going to pick up there in our video and watch how Lee discovered um, the beauty of creation and the origin of life. I can take you back to the exact spot where I was sitting. It was in the third floor overlooking the asphalt parking lot. I was in the second row, the third chair from the front. When my biology teacher recounted in great detail this experiment that had been conducted in the early 1950s at the University of Chicago. This experiment that impressed Strobel so deeply was one of the most famous in the history of science. In 1953, Stanley Miller, a graduate chemistry student, tried to demonstrate how life first emerged on Earth. Miller attempted to reproduce the Earth's early atmosphere. He pumped hydrogen, methane, ammonia, and a small amount of water vapor into a maze of glassware. 
then spark the gases with electrical discharges to simulate lightning. After five days, he discovered what he had hoped for, a few simple amino acids, the basic building blocks of living organisms, had collected in the dark residue at the bottom of the glass. Many hailed Miller's experiment as proof that essential components of life could have formed in the oceans of the Earth billions of years ago. Strobel's search began with an examination of evidence that challenged materialistic theories of life's origin. He discovered that this negative evidence contradicted the textbook explanations that had once convinced him the blind forces of evolution could account for the creation and diversity of life on Earth. A good example of negative evidence is the 1953 origin of life experiment by Stanley Miller, the one that helped lead me into atheism in the first place. As biologist Jonathan Wells explained to me, Miller's experiment has now been thoroughly discredited. Stanley Miller put together a glass apparatus and in that apparatus he put a mixture of gases that people at the time thought reflected the atmosphere of the early Earth. And those gases were methane, ammonia, hydrogen, and water vapor. But then the professional opinion of what was there on the early Earth changed. In the 60s, geochemists uh, revised their hypothesis and decided that the hydrogen, being very light, would have escaped into outer space. The Earth's gravity isn't strong enough to hold it. And probably the early Earth's atmosphere then consisted of what we now see coming out of volcanoes today, namely carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and water vapor. Well, if the early Earth's atmosphere consisted of those gases, then Stanley Miller's experiment would not work. In fact, he himself tried it with those gases, and he found that uh, he couldn't produce any amino acids at all. So the experiment falls apart once you use a more realistic mixture of gases in the apparatus. Miller's test has been repeated many times using the correct atmospheric components. The results are always the same. The amino acids that generated so much enthusiasm in 1953 do not appear. Even if Miller's experiment were valid, you're still light years away from making life. It comes down to this. No matter how many molecules you can produce with early Earth conditions, plausible conditions, you're still nowhere near producing a living cell. And here's how I know. If I take a sterile test tube and I put in a little bit of fluid with just the right salts, just the right balance of acidity and alkalinity, just the right temperature, the perfect solution for a living cell, and I put in it one living cell, this cell is alive. It has everything it needs for life. Now I take a sterile needle and I poke that cell and all its stuff leaks out into this test tube. You have in this nice little test tube all the molecules you need for a living cell. Not just the pieces of the molecules, but the molecules themselves. And you cannot make a living cell out of them. You can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Interesting. There will be a test later. <laughs> Just kidding. 
You know, the, the point of this is not the evolution versus creation debate. That is absolutely not the point there. You know, it's like, why do we need to know this? Why is this important? Purpose. Purpose. When we know we have a creator, when we know that there was a plan, when we know that all of these things function together, it absolutely should change our perspective about how we view the physical form that we have. And so when we, when we look at this, what the, and the beauty of science is that science is meant to, be, to continue testing and hypotheses and theories and testing all of these things and finding out what works and what doesn't. So if we find out something wasn't what we thought it was, that's okay. And so the beauty here is what, what Strobel found out and what we just watched is that the supernatural work of God is actually confirmed by science. And so scientific methods, as they develop, it just simply reveals that past theories of the origin of life were incorrect. And so biblically speaking, when we, when we look at where the origin of life starts, again, it goes back to a plan and purpose, that we are not random accidents. We are not the, the, the result of millions of years of chance. Instead, what we are is a beautiful system that was lovingly put together. Now, this particular slide here comes from a book called Without Excuse. Bill mentioned it um, last week. We've got a set of devotional, year-long devotional books that are based on science and, and the science and the evidence for God as a creator. And so there's a list of them. This is actually the fourth book, Without Excuse. This is uh, the study for January 4th, and it goes through the 11 systems. And we're not going to learn about all of this. I'm just putting this here as an example, because what they say in here, in this book, is that our body has 11 different systems that work seamlessly together. This unified system of systems had to work perfectly the first time, or humans could not exist. And that although we look at these and it's like a, a human cannot live without one of these systems. This is what would be called irreducible complexity. We can't survive if any one of these is gone. Now, they all work interdependently. And so when one isn't functioning well, it does affect the other systems. And again, what this simply does is science pointing to intelligent design, which points to a creator. And so not only did God create us, but we are actually created in his likeness. In the book of Genesis, we are told that male and female were created in the image of God. And so we were created, we were lovingly designed, we were designed as unique, set apart from all other creation, and again, with a purpose. And not only that, but we were also designed with the ability to discover him, to be able to, to investigate and discover who he is and with the ability to create on our own when we have a baby. And so this is, this is how God works. And so in the book of Romans, it's his God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world by the things that were made. So we can look around our world and see evidence of a creator all over the place. So he designed us this way. We are to be a reflection of his nature and character, and he designed us with immense potential. However, although he did this, we have to realize that before we have a relationship with Christ and before knowing him, what we are are slaves to our flesh desires. We are slaves to sin. And so in that state, we can never truly reach our full potential or purpose, and especially our eternal purpose. 
And so we recognize the works of the flesh. When apart from Christ, we, we wrestle with things like jealousies and dissensions and sexual impurity and rivalries and drunkenness and gossip and anger and just all of these things that go on inside of our lives. And what we also need to be reminded is that whatever we sow, we will reap. Whether we're talking spiritually, inside of our relationships, inside of our physical health, what we sow is also what we're going to reap. And so in our sin nature, we see that our desires are self-focused and can often be destructive. And they do have an impact on our physical health. And so as we've gone through life, I mean, generation after generation after generation, we've been kind of in not... Um, well, I don't want to say inoculated, but I guess you could say that. Somewhere along the way, we've, we've been taught so long that we learn that our body belongs to us and that we can do with it whatever we want. As long as we're not hurting other people, it doesn't matter what we do. And so honestly, the whole idea of my body, my choice became the gold standard long before abortion issues, long before gender issues whether people were talking about sex or food or drugs or alcohol or smoking or whatever the case may be, it was like, it's my body. I can do with it what I want. Now, for those of us who have participated in that, I'm not, like I said, I'm not standing in judgment because we're all on the same playing field. In the moment, it might be a little fun. However, it is not always an easy life. Long-term consequences can be incredibly painful and severe. We can end up with all kinds of medical issues like diabetes and high cholesterol and even more severe situations. And these consequences not only affect us, but they do affect those we love and those who are around us. We have to be careful to think that it actually isn't going to affect other people. And so for... I, me and my family, we had a, a, you know, upfront, up close and personal situation with this, and I'll try to make this super brief. My dad, I don't think many of you, if all, very few of you probably ever knew my dad. He's been, he's been gone for 23 years now. Um, my dad was, you know, he was a man's man, Greek stoic philosopher, Epicurean, and so his life really was just simply focused on the flesh, you know, the, the physical desires of the flesh. He loved to eat, he smoked, he drank, he never exercised. He was just, that's what he did. And so he, for about 11 years, he was an alcoholic. And it got to the point where he was ill. The doctor told him he had cirrhosis of the liver. And if he didn't stop drinking, he would be dead in six months. So that was motive enough for him to quit drinking. But after that, he continued to really kind of use and abuse his body. You know, he felt that the only, his, his, truly his motto was that quality of life was if you could eat and smoke and do whatever you wanted. That was his definition of quality of life. And so that's what he did. That's what he pursued. And so, of course, it just kind of continued to snowball into high blood pressure. It continued to snowball into diabetes. He was the kind of guy of his other motto was, let me do what I want, just give me a pill. And so that's how he lived. He did what he wanted. He took the medication. And then, and of course, it just, again, continued to snowball until his diabetes became so severe. Well, he ended up having two massive heart attacks, a quintuple bypass, continued to smoke and do what he wanted. I told you he was a brat. <laughs> um, and then he ended up on dialysis. He ended up in kidney failure from all of this resulted in dialysis. And he was on dialysis for five years. And believe me when I tell you that is a very hard life. It was hard for him. It is not an easy treatment. 
It is very hard on the body. It's, it's a life-sustaining, not life-saving um, treatment. So what happened was is my mom worked full-time. So here she is trying to work full-time and driving him because dialysis is a three days a week. The treatment was four hours at a time. When he started, the closest clinic was in Palmdale. Three days a week, she had to drive him to Palmdale after work to go get treatment and come home. And then, of course, she had to worry about his diet. The, the short version of this, he was terribly non-compliant with his diet, how his fluid intake and all of that. And so after about five years, it got the best of him. And he ultimately ended up passing away from complications because he just, he did what he did. But make no mistake, it wasn't just affecting him. It was affecting all of us. The weekends spent at the hospital because he couldn't breathe. Um, it was just a mess. And the thing of it is, that wasn't God's plan, but let me, let me just redeem this a little bit. I don't want to make, make you think that, you know, I mean, it was, it was bad. But in the middle of all of this, the one good thing that happened was that he became open to coming to church. He became open to hearing about God. And up until he was too sick to come, he sat and he came here and he listened to messages and he read his Bible. And I know he had a few conversations with Bill. Um, and so my hope is, is that he's in heaven. And if his physical problems is what it took to get him there, hoorah, right? Okay, we're not asking for problems, but there you go. So now we have to really take a look at this because God's plan really isn't God's plan. But the reality is, is that as we, as we view our bodies, we have to understand that they are a vessel. Our bodies is this physical thing, that, the thing that Paul calls, calls an earthly tent. It's the thing that contains our soul and our spirit, and it's meant for the expression of those things. The body is the physical manifestation of what's on the inside. In fact, it's called in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the verse says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within us, whom we have from God. So God, when we become a believer, when we choose to follow Christ, God's Holy Spirit literally physically comes and lives inside of us. So we are now the temple. We now also contain God's Holy Spirit. And so our body, we're told we are not our own. This body does not belong to us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And who bought our body? How did it was bought with a price? And that price was Christ's body and blood. So God, Jesus sacrificed his body and blood for us, not just for our salvation, but even in the physical sense. We were bought with Christ's own body. And so really when we think about it is this particular body that we have is on loan. It's not ours, it's on loan. And we're to be good stewards of what God has given us. And so in that set is the fact that our physical health is an expression of our love for God and for other people. And again, we go back to the, the holistic command. Jesus actually tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and with all of our mind. So it's this entire picture that encapsulates our entire lives, our mindset, our intellect, our relationships, our love, our spirit, our soul, our personality, and yes, our bodies, our strength, everything about us that is physical. 
Now, the other interesting part of this, too, is the, the connection between the mind and the body. There's several verses, and I love the fact that the, the Bible is very transparent about the reality of how our minds affect our physical bodies and vice versa. We see in Proverbs and in Psalms, so in King David and King Solomon, both were very transparent about how their mental state often affected their physical state. And so in Proverbs, we see that um, it says that a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, guys. You can refer to your bulletins if you've got them for the inserts. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And then um, David says, when I kept about, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. And so we see that there are genuinely times when if we are down, if we are depressed, if we are angry, if we are jealous, if there's, you know, all of this stuff going on in our lives, if our emotions are impacting us that severely, worry and anxiety that they can all have a consequence on us physically. You know, it's just like a person who struggles with anger and outbursts of anger and they're just like, you know how you know how the Hulk is, right? Do you remember nerd moment? Do you remember when he was asked how he can just like get angry, you know, and turn into the Hulk just like that? Because he's always angry. So we don't want to be that person. <laughs> we don't want to be that person, but it has physical effects. It releases things like adrenaline and cortisol, and it can cause physical things like autoimmune disorders and GI troubles, ulcers and high blood pressure and headaches. And science has, in fact, found the mind-body connection is very real. And so that is a good understanding as well. So even for us, here at the church, when we're doing counseling, um, and if somebody comes in struggling with depression or anxiety or any of these, one of the first things that we do is ask them about about their their um, health life. You know, their diet, their sleep habits, their exercise habits. Have they had a physical recently? Because some physical maladies, like um, thyroid disease, can cause weight gain. It can cause depression. So. We always encourage a person to always please look at, you know, the physical aspects. Go get a thorough physical exam if you haven't done that already. But in all of this, again, we have to go back to really what is our goal. You know, if we have a purpose, if God has designed our bodies, and no matter where we are in this, what is our goal? Our goal really should just simply be to strive for godly physical health. The Bible tells us that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, not to, be not to conform to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's really kind of what we're doing, is we're transforming the way we think about how we function in the world in this package that God has put us in. And so we offer our bodies to be used for service, for the physical activities that it takes to show God's love to other people, to be able to do things. Like when we go out and do um, Mission Ridgecrest out in the town, it's, it's a physical manifestation of God's love. And so our changed spiritual condition really in, in reality should change our physical conditions as well. And so now choosing to follow Christ and when we do offer our bodies as a, as a living sacrifice and with the Holy Spirit being in us as a temple, 
we've got an entirely new set of um, tools, really, as we, as we walk through this. And we have the fruit of the Spirit. And so now what we have at our disposal that we are given at the moment of salvation is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I think that's where most of us, I know that's where I struggle, is self-control, especially when it comes to, you know, how, how the things that we put into our bodies. But self-control is one of those things where we have it. We just need to have to learn how to practice it and understand that God gives us the ability to actually do this, that we have the ability, even though that there are temptations that are common to all of us, that God is faithful to us. He gives us the way to escape so that we can endure the temptations. And here's how we do that. Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans, this is how, this is the way of escape so that we can endure. Because a lot of times we feel like God is just supposed to like pluck us out of the situation. Like if we're facing this beautiful array of chocolate and goodies and things that we know we shouldn't eat, like God is going to somehow, I don't know, would just make it disappear. Or something great is going to happen. But here's where we can learn this. Romans 6 says, do not present your members to sin as, as members of unrighteousness. Well, what does this mean? Well, what this means is that we do not put ourselves in the path of temptation. If a person was struggling with alcohol, if they've overcome alcohol, but alcohol is a temptation, where are they not going to go hang out? The bar. Okay, so we just simply don't offer our bodies. If we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, we offer our bodies not to temptation, but to, to, as members of righteousness. So instead of you know, giving in to temptation, have a plan to go do something else instead. You know, whether it's um, call somebody or go for a walk or listen to some music, you know, we, we get to come up with a plan, but God is faithful to us. He's going to help us do this. And not only that, but Paul also discovered something very, very important is the understanding that as Christians... Our perspective of this, how we treat our bodies, what we do is a testimony to the world. I mean, it really is. It, Paul even says that he disciplined his body to make it his slave so that after he has preached to others, he would not become disqualified. That to me says what he learned is practice what we preach. And so if, if we as a Christian are abusing our bodies with all kinds of different things, it's probably not the best thing, the best um, testimony. Now, in that, as we, as we close for the day, a couple of things here. And this is probably some of the most important stuff because we might be sitting here going, this is all well and good, but what about my situation? See, I know that where we are here is that there's a lot of us here that are already struggling with some stuff. What about those of us who are already going through some painful circumstances from poor choices in the past? What about those of us who were born with birth defects that we can't help? What about those of us who have tried but were just unsuccessful? What about, what about, what about Caitlin? What about her? She can't help her condition. There's a lot of us who have situations that are not within our control. 
And so what we need to know is that if we are that person who is already uh, suffering with physical ailments, disabilities, diseases, God does not waste our pain. He has an unbelievable purpose even in the things that we happen to be going through. He will use it to his glory. And I know that sitting here today, there are people who suffer the effects of stroke, cancer, diabetes, whatever the case may be, and they are being used by God in powerful ways. This is not a guilt trip day. This is a, let's just start from where we are with a new understanding and a new perspective and strive for godly health. And so these folks who are here, they give testimony when they choose joy over complaining, when they serve in the capacity that they can serve. You know, with whatever that we have, and absolutely there are going to be hard days, but they keep going. They put a smile on their face and they keep going. And sometimes God allows pain for our own good. Again, it's like I go back to my dad. He allowed that for his good, his eternal good. And so um, Paul understands this, you know, as we are looking at this, in that he himself was given uh, something physical, a physical ailment, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to keep him from becoming conceited because he had been given so much, so much um, revelation of the mystery of God's plan of salvation to not only the Jews but the Gentiles that apparently he had the possibility of becoming quite arrogant and boastful. So God, God had let Satan give him something to, to keep him humble. And so we have to look at that because God, Paul's comment in this is that his grace, God's grace in that was sufficient for him. When, when Paul asked for God to heal him and God said no, he said, my grace is sufficient because God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so this is what we get to learn from that. And so as we, as we take a look at our, our end and our application, what do we do with all of this? Well, you know what? Um, in Ecclesiastes, it basically says, eat, drink, and be merry <laughs> in moderation. <laughs> God did give us food and everything for our enjoyment. He, life is to be enjoyed. It is a gift. And so we can do that as long as we are making sure it is a benefit to us and it can potentially be a benefit to others. You know, um, so be careful. If we do try, if we do get to that point where we've decided we want to do something in our health, be very careful. Don't, you know, go to the extreme of fad diets, pills, or insane exercise routines. Um, you know, if you spend any time on Facebook at all, you will quickly discover that everyone has the diet and the workout routine that is going to make you look like, I don't know, some top model or something. Be very careful of this stuff because it's everybody's got an answer and it's not always the right answer. And so as we take a look at this, when we go home today, if we want to do something about this, if this is one of our resolutions and if we are a Christian and we need to really start thinking about, okay, if this is new information and we need to know what God wants us to do, first of all, check our motive. Secondly, get a checkup if we need to. If we've been feeling down, if there's things going on, go get a, a physical exam. Next, control what we can control. We can control what goes into our mouth. We can control um, 
what we choose to do in, in physical exercise and, and how we interact with our world. It is our choice. And make doable goals. Recruit the help of family and friends if needed. And in this, we also have to be mindful that offering our bodies as a living sacrifice means that we get to serve. Our physical bodies are meant for that, that practical display, that practical demonstration of God's love. So we are to serve, to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, and to do it with the strength that God supplies. And then finally, as we do that, um, Justin mentioned earlier in the announcements about life groups. Um, one of the things that you know, we recognize here at Crossroads is that you know, we want to offer you guys everything that we can to be able to, to walk this journey successfully and to kind of rely on each other for that. And so Justin mentioned three of the groups that we're starting, the women's group um, that's called Made to Crave. It's specifically a healthy living group. That's going to be starting the men's group that's doing the study of Ephesians and then the living, um, living victoriously in the battles of life. These are all intended to help us in this process of learning more. And if we're having troubles overcoming some of these challenges, this is the place to be able to, to get some support and to learn more about that. So as we close, I want to leave you with this. You, do you guys want a happy ending? Yeah. You want that they lived happily ever ha they lived happily ever after part? Okay, here we go. Because again, this wasn't to make us feel bad. This was just to help us, you know, shift our perspective and how we view our lives and our bodies, right? So here's the happy ending. In heaven, if we are Christ followers, whether Jesus comes and gets us or we go to meet him, we will have perfect bodies, right? Not like looking like our favorite actor or actress kind of perfect, perfect glorified bodies, the way God originally designed them. Here's the cool part. They will, we will not suffer any kind of um, crying. The, the book, the verse in Revelations says there shall be no more crying, no more death, no more pain, no more mourning, for all the former things will have passed away. That means we will have no more cancer, no more diabetes, no more depression, no more anger, none of all of these things that, that came to us through the, through the fall in sin. And so that is actually our happy ending, is that our hope as we do this, even though we have an earthly tent, this tent is temporary, Ultimately, in eternity, we will have a perfect body. And I'm excited because what that also means is that my Katie girl is also going to have a perfect body. I am not going to have to tell her to slow down and stop running because I'm afraid she's going to trip over a cloud. You know, I mean, and she's going to be able to communicate to us perfectly. She's going to be able to tell us what she's been thinking. And that absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> I am so excited for that. And I am so excited for you guys because with a relationship with God, that is what we get to look forward to. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do have a plan for us. Not, not, Lord, your plans are for every area of our lives. Lord, if this is new information to some of us, I just pray that this is something that brings joy and hope that we have a purpose on this planet. 
and your purpose as you change this from the inside out will be seen and demonstrated to a broken world who also needs to know you. May we walk out of here understanding the importance of how we care for ourselves physically so that we can glorify you as we go throughout our lives at work and at school and at the grocery store and just whatever we do, Lord. So we thank you for all of that. We thank you that you give us everything that we need to accomplish your purposes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us.